So in the video, you saw a little bit of Bank Street, just where our office is, and um, four, maybe five or six blocks north of our of our office in Ottawa is a building, well, much more than a building, actually. It's a historic edifice that holds, not only holds, but represents the delivery of justice in our country, the Supreme Court of Canada. Now, if you mentally do a map, uh, five or six blocks east of that location is the Terry Fox Bridge, and a little, just a little farther, the communal sidewalk outside of McDonald's on Rideau Street, and then the Byward Market, places you will see panhandlers, people asking for help, people in need, folks who have been abused and used and who now bear the many scars of injustice in so many ways. The Terry Fox Bridge, it's pretty much the line where you begin to see injustice, and it's just a five-minute walk from the Supreme Court. Five blocks, five minutes, and worlds of difference. Jellica, my managing director, shared the founding verse of OIM. He has shown the old man what is good and what the Lord requires of thee, but to do love mercy, do justice, and walk humbly before your God. So for a few moments this morning, oh, there it is, okay, I see the clock. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, justice, doing justice, and what does that mean. So for today, let's make this as simple as possible. I, I like that, and easy as possible, and we'll define justice as doing the right thing, the just thing. When I read what the scripture says about, in, about justice, I read things about fair weights and balances. I see laws for treating people fairly and properly. I, I read that we're not to exploit the weak. Uh, we're supposed to look after our relationships, even strangers. Justice is about small things, doing the right thing. And of course, all those small things of justice and righteousness add up to big things. And they're big things, but simply speaking, doing justice is really for our purposes this morning and to think clearly, looking after the small things. The law of Moses says, don't associate with foreigners, but if a foreigner comes to you, treat him well. Welcome him, invite him in, feed him, look after him. It's a small thing. The Bible says, leave some gleanings in the field when you harvest your crops, and, and maybe the poor will come, and, and, and it's a small thing. Look after the poor. The Bible enjoins us 2,000 times. More than almost any other thing. And so these small things add up to large things. Justice and righteousness in the, in the Psalms, they're, they're, they're described as the pillars of God's throne. In Isaiah, it says the Lord is a God of justice. And we, partnering with him, do justice. Do the right thing. So what can that mean? Well, maybe that could mean for each of us in our own way to do a small thing, take a small step. Next time, if you're down in Ottawa at the looking for a beaver tail at the, the Winter Lude or, or if you're at the Tulip Festival or whatever, notice that panhandler on the street. That's a person there. See him. Look at him. That's a small step. It might be another small step or maybe larger of looking at our own selves and our own assumptions. It might be a small step or larger. When I was younger, I would see a panhandler and ignore that person. I would justify my action or more so my inaction by my assumptions. Well, I don't know. That guy looks like he can work. I work. Why can't he work? I, I pay my own way. I don't beg. Why, maybe that man could get a job. I would justify my response by my assumptions. And I can walk away guilt-free. I didn't have any problems at all. I just walk away. Why? Because my, my assumptions tell me that it's his own fault. It's not my problem. 
that guy should get a job. And I think there are many ways that people think this way, even in the church. People see a panhandler in downtown and they, they think this way without ever knowing the story. My assumptions were changed. My assumptions were radically challenged when I stopped to listen to the stories. Ruby was a friend of mine from First Nations family when he was driving in his car with his parents and he was two. He had a head-on collision with a transport and he was jettisoned from the car and landed in a, in a soft, boggy swamp. His parents passed and then he went to his grandmother's to live with her for six years. And then his grandmother went to get wood in the back and she never came back and they found her two days later frozen in the snow. Multiple foster homes, sexual abuse in every single foster home, and he starts drinking heavily at the age of 12. No support, no family, he has no one. So now, what assumptions could I make now of this man, whom I would say previously, well, he could work. Jesus did not make assumptions. He always stopped and talked and listened. We need to reread the scriptures to see Jesus involved in justice all the time. Responding to injustice, demonstrating justice. And the demonstrations of doing justice in Jesus' life were very simple and always involved relationships with people. He took the small step of listening to people's stories. My dad was a painter, and he taught me from my early teen years to paint houses. And uh, he would give me the job of rolling the walls. With a, and he'd give me a big bull roller. Does anyone know what a bull roller is? Well, a bull roller is a, one of those thick piled rollers. And you can put a lot of paint on it. In fact, you can hardly lift it if you put load it up. So it's got a, a thick pile. So it could last forever. And lots of paint goes on the walls. And lots of paint goes on the floor. Lots of paint goes on me. But, but, it, but that's very different from an artist with a small, fine point detailed brush. The Samaritan woman at the well was a, a lady that Jesus took the time to talk with, to listen to her story, and moved the conversation from, well, you Jews worship on this place, and rolled the religious paint roller, the big bull roller, all over Jesus, while Jesus took a fine point, detailed brush and enters a woman, a Samaritan woman, a, a promiscuous Samaritan woman's life and story. In the midst of a very busy crowd, one woman touched his garment. In the big crowd where we paint with a wide roller brush, one woman touched his garment, and Jesus begins to point out her life and paint her life with a fine paintbrush. The woman who was taken in adultery was condemned by the crowd with a big roller. Jesus saw a person with a very fine paintbrush, listened to this story, and entered her world. It's easy to have assumptions and act on those assumptions and judge homeless and paint people we don't know with this broad roller thing, a thick-piled bull roller sleeve, until we get to know them and see that actually people on the streets, people in this room, people sitting beside you, are people that have been painted with a fine-point detailed brush. We need to get closer. We need to hear the stories. We need to get to know the people. What's this person's story? It's a small step, but it's very powerful. I've often said to my volunteers, I do the first of our training, our volunteer training, which, by the way, that I mentioned, happens starts the third week of January, and there's a brochure on the back table. Um, I tell folks that really, you know, um, people have two things 
on the street that they can choose to give you or withhold. One is their real name. For years, I would know people only by their street name. And that's not their real name. Youth, adults, everyone in between, you don't get the real name. But if someone tells you their real name, that's a step of trust. The second thing that people can choose to give or withhold is their story. And if someone tells you their real name and their story, they've given you everything. They've given you trust. They've given you an invitation to relationship. It's a small step, listening to a story, to a better world. But we could take small steps, right? Even children can take small steps. My twins, grandchildren, who were born at 26 weeks, premature, are now doing just fine at one year and four months, and they're starting to take small steps, very small steps, with support and help from grandma and granddad. But they're small steps. Then, then what, what if we take another small step, and, and then what would happen if a number of t- people took a small step, and what if it spread to a community, and then the whole group would take another small step, and then it would lead to a, another small step, and if you take a small step, then maybe someone, your neighbor or someone walking beside you also would take that step with you. We can paint people with a, 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 a paint homeless youth, for example, with a thick pile roller or or we could see instead the, the picture that's painted with a small, fine artist brush and, and hear their stories. Christine is one of the kids in our program, uh, graduated now. When she was 16, left home because of physical abuse. And this is often the case for our young people. They're fleeing home because of domestic violence. So there's a multiple sets of parents, multiple stepfathers or partners, and, and um, they're not wanted, and, and violence quickly becomes an issue. Drugs and alcohol are also abused in the home. It's, it's not a simple place. It's not a good place. And so for many kids, as bad as the streets are, it's better than home. Christina was a, a young lady. She, she, she talked about her physical abuse not very much. I said, what does that really look like? She said, elbows, boots, sticks, anything. I don't really like to talk about it. So she enrolled in our art program, and she did well. And, um, you know, long story short, I I had the opportunity to lead her to Christ, and she became a person of faith, and she joined our work skills program, and and then she decided that she would uh, go back to school. And, uh, and, And I'm watching this over a period of three years or four years, and I'm watching God paint little details. God is, like, in our art program for youth, we have kids doing artwork not that we're creating artists but we're using the imagination and the fine arts to stimulate self-improvement self-esteem and build you know uh, confidence in the kids so um, God was painting on the canvas of this young lady's life and and we were privileged to be a part of that relationship a part of that process and um, so she she uh, Actually, she graduated the program, and she went to school. And she came by sometimes to visit in the office. And I, unfortunately, the last several times that she came to visit, I was never there because I'm in and out like kind of like the wind. And and so uh, I never, I never, I never saw her. But she graduated from college, and we were there. So what do we do? We we do justice. We and that's something that you have to determine what mean that means between you and the Lord, right? 
This is not something that I can say, well, we need to all do this, because it's you and the Lord in a relationship. It's not difficult, though. It's simple. Do the right thing. Treat people fairly. Work to see that others do the same. Take a small step for a better world. Someone, maybe, will join you. What if it spread to community? And what if what if together we took in a number of small steps and then it leads to another and another and another and finally all of our small steps accumulate together and it's something very large and wonderful. Check your assumptions. Don't paint the homeless with a broad brush, a roller sleeve. When God paints and colors our lives, he does so with a fine, detailed, pointed brush. We need to get closer to hear the stories, to get to know people. And when you do, the world will open up to you. Do justice. What's your small step this morning? So I was I was coming from uh, a meeting, and I had to pick up my wife at the Civic Hospital where she was working, and I had about half an hour, and it was a, a Wednesday. I had to have my board report done that night to send to my board for the for the week, so they could look at the numbers before our meeting the next week. And uh, so I I just stopped at ad hoc at some coffee place in Hintonburg. And I went and got my coffee, and I have an, a, the capacity to focus on things quite quite hard, and I can just about blot everything out. It's a gift, I think. And uh, sometimes. Uh, my wife may not say that all the time. I, I digress. So uh, I'm, I'm sitting, I got my coffee, and I'm sitting at, at, at this bridgehead, and I'm, I'm doing my board report. I'm not really hearing anything. It's all kind of a, a murmur and a blur and a jumble of people's voices. And then all of a sudden I hear this, I hear this, you know, barista who seems to be very pleasant. Like, I think all baristas are pleasant mostly because they got a great job. You know, people are going to come in. You know, you're going to come with your friend or your sister or your brother or get a get a, a chai latte mochaccino, double fat, no whip, dry, half sweetened on and pay $11 for it or whatever it is. But you're coming to have fun with a friend. So I, I my, my daughter was a barista for a while and she, she really enjoyed that work. But but this barista was kind of like, this barista's voice was kind of penetrating my, my world and my board report, and I kind of listened to her thank customers and engage with customers, and, and so I'm just like, and, and then finally, in the midst of this, I'm trying to, like, she would be the only one, the voice is getting through to me, I'm not hearing anyone else, and then she says, and I'm now entering a program for animation at Algonquin College. Click, something, the light went on, and I looked up, and there's Christina behind the coffee bar at the bridgehead. Well, guess what happened to the board report? It's gone, you know. I don't care about the board report. I walk up to the counter, and her head was down, and she pushes the coffee towards me. She said, here, this must be for you. And I said, no, it's not. She recognizes my voice instantly, and her, her she looks up, and her mouth drops open, and she just, for a moment, and she runs around the counter in this busy bridgehead coffee shop arms wide open like this, and I meet her and, and we embrace like a father hug. And all of a sudden, time stands still. And it's just me and Christina in the whole world, and nothing, nothing else matters. And she said words I'll never forget. She said, Ken, thank you so much for you and your team for the help that you gave me. Thank you so much. She said, I, I don't know what I would have done. I don't, I don't know if I would have made it. She said, Thank you for all that you do. So, fast track, she, she got a job. She finished college. We were at her graduation. She got a job with Merker Animations. This is an animation company that does work for Disney Studios, almost exclusively. 
and she invited me to her workplace and she showed me walking through her space and, and all the desks with the you know the the, the the umbrellas and the palm trees and this you know it looks like a resort it doesn't even look like an office space but this is the culture and so uh, and so it was a really really good experience and we're, we're in relationship still do justice begins with a shift of thinking and our thoughts line up with God's we take deliberate steps. We make calculated decisions. We speak on behalf of others whose voices are silenced in the snare of apathy and affluence. Doing what's right. Advocate for the homeless and the defenseless. Take a stand when something is wrong and something is terribly, terribly wrong in our city today. Proverbs 31, 8, 9 says, Speak out for those who cannot speak for the rights of the destitute. Speak up. Judge righteously. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. God help us to do justice.